0: All right, I'm just thinking about Bojo's, man. I almost want to order up one right now. I wonder if they're still open. But um, if you mention DNVR at Bojo's right now, you can get a free honey cheese bread with a purchase of an entree that offers good at all six Colorado locations. And and Bojo's also, you can get it delivered with DoorDash. Their dough is made fresh daily, Contains locally sourced honey. And again, if you mention DNVR, you can get a free honey cheese bread with a purchase of an entree that's valid at all locations.
1: What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNBR Nuggets podcast, presented by Illegal Pete's, the, yeah. the Denver original place for some great Mexican grill-style food. The bowls, the nachos, the quesadillas, they got everything, the green chili, the queso. Stop by before or after any event that you attend, show them your ticket stub, and you can get a free beer or margarita when you purchase an entree. Today's episode of the show, I'm joined by Harrison Wynn. Harrison, What's happening?
0: What's up, man? I'm doing good.
1: So, what's up is I spent, you won't believe this, I spent the last 10 minutes before I called you um, looking at TikTok. I downloaded it onto my phone and I have looked at it. And I, you, this happened to me with Snapchat. This kind of shows how old I am. I don't understand the interface. Like, (laughs) it's designed to be intuitive, you know, so that you, like, oh, it's so simple and a kid could use it. And, like, I get so lost on it.
0: Well, I feel your pain because I haven't even really tried to mess around in TikTok, so... I'm it's the new thing! Probably, I, pr- I probably went or would go into it about as blind as you went into it, but um, yeah, I feel a little disconnected from the, the younger generation when it comes to TikTok, for sure. I just have never really messed around with it.
1: So All-Star Weekend was very TikTok-heavy, and I know... That there's it was those...
0: way too TikTok. <laughs> heavy. I'm probably... sorry.
1: It was, maybe... <laughs> it was out of control. It was it was out of control. But you know they had those um those three girls that I guess are like TikTok stars for whatever whatever that means. And like the, the first twenty videos I've seen are just them. So I I don't know if like how in like how much they control TikTok, but they seem to be the only people I have seen so far. And it's just like them dancing very very basically. <laughs> I'm telling you, man there you're you're not that old i'm not that old but like he, as time goes on you just there's so many of these little things where you're like wow do i am i really so out of touch that this intuitive thing and whatever seems cool to the kids seems so lame and so confusing to me
0: yeah i'm pretty sure you don't have to be dancing in your tiktok video at least i hope not
1: <laughs> Well, we're getting into. It. I mean, I'm looking at it because, of course, we at DNVR we want to get into. it. I mean, I do love like people t- told me it's like Vine. You know, it's like the old Vine, yeah. and yeah. I loved Vine. Like Vine was awesome. Um, so I'm hopeful that that's sort of true, and there's like cool stuff we can do with video on it. Um, but early returns, my first ten minutes on it are not very promising.
0: <laughs> well, uh, but before I called you here to record this pod, I was watching my Colorado Buffaloes lose their second straight game. Oh, this man. one on the road at Cal below oh, 500 geez. Cal. So dark times, dark I, times.
1: Is CU actually good? I, Cause here's the, people have to know this DNVR has a lot of CU buffs, like mega fan. I mean, RK is like a nut about it. You are as well. You guys both from Boulder. So all I hear is sunshine and rainbows about the football team and basketball team. And then I'll be like, how'd they do and It's like, Oh, they went four and six. And I'm like, what? <laughs> All year, you kept telling me how awesome they were.
0: No, the basketball team is good. Uh, the the thing about them, though, is like CU has not; it really has never made a run in the tournament under Tad Boyle. Yeah. Like they've gotten to the tournament, they've won around I think once over the last you know five six years. They've never really gone deep. But this the thing about this team is they actually have a ton of experience and they are good. They've got some top end talent. They've got you know maybe a couple. Uh, second-round NBA guys. So Hmm. they are good. Uh, They are good for the college Good being the operative
1: word. Like, they're good. They're not great. They're not very good, but they are good. They're not great, but
0: uh, they're good enough to win, I think, two games in the tournament.
1: Oh, wow, that's really good, though. To be a top-16 team, a sweet-16 team. Well,
0: they well they were ranked
1: uh, like 15th,
0: 16th overall in the nation before losing to UCLA last weekend. So, yeah,
1: we'll see what happens. Um, Before we get too deep into the woods here, we do have our watch party. If you're listening to this, watch party tonight, Friday night at Blake Street Tavern, 8:30. I am pumped. Over 100 RSVPs already. I think this is almost certainly going to be our biggest watch party of the year so far, and it's going to be a fun one. You know, we got the the, the stuff, the, the giveaways, you know, T-shirt giveaway, raffle for these, like, basically courtside. They're like four rows up um, seats to watch the Oklahoma City Thunder when they're in town. But the real coup of the party the real real reason to come to the party is because it is a lot of fun we are building a social club over at dnvr and that means hanging out watching games together making friends i think we've done a good job of that so far and this one this is why they grow every single time so come on out if you've never been to one of our watch parties come on out introduce yourself to to me you'll see me the tall very handsome looking guy come say hi to me i'd love to talk (laughs) to you Uh, and I, i promise you you'll have a good time and meet a lot of nuggets fans and if you have been before I know we all see you there because everybody always comes back to these. So, um,
0: I've been uh, prepping my body physically and mentally all day for uh, Friday's watch party.
1: Yeah, I might have to go for a run midday tomorrow. You know, get the get the blood flowing, get ready for this. Uh, but the game, by the way, Harris, it's kind of funny, man. I'm getting excited for tomorrow night's game. Like that's it's kind of a it's kind of a big one. I mean, it's a big one because it can really push the Clippers back, but. For me, it's just big because I'm really curious how it's going to go. I don't – it could go a, a number of different ways. And for the Nuggets, if they come out and just dominate this game, and like it, to me it would feel like a statement win if they're able to get it.
0: Oh, this could be a big statement win for sure. On national TV nonetheless. But I think it's very big and intriguing for two reasons. One, like you said, it could give Denver a real stranglehold on the two-seed. Denver will enter this matchup a game up on the Clippers uh, in the lost column, so yeah. they could go a full two games up here and capture uh, the tiebreaker.
1: No, they would have the tiebreaker because they played yeah. once and they played two. They oh yeah, they play two more times tomorrow and then one more time. But if they get that, they'll be they'll be up 2 So
0: right, so they could go, they they could go like two zero up on the tiebreaker, clinch a tiebreaker. But also, this game is super intriguing because. In the first matchup this year, Paul George did not play. So uh, they've got Marcus Morris now. Uh, They've moved Lou Williams to the bench full time. He started that last game in Denver. So it's going to be a new look for the Clippers. I'm curious to see how the Nuggets adjust. But then, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, when you're looking at the standings, it's a big game as well.
1: So there was a a stat that I saw Ryan Blackburn put out today on Twitter, Um, and or actually it was Matt Moore. I'm giving the wrong credit here. Oh no, it was no, it was uh, it it was Ryan.
0: Get your Talk, blog boys straight. Get my
1: blogger straight. It talked about Jokic leading the NBA by a wide margin on shots from five to nine feet. And I know this this sounds like a made up stat, um, but it's it's not for this one reason. Do you remember Harrison? He did this back in 2017 his sophomore year. Like he he was just like so far ahead of the pack of anybody that shot at volume from that. It's not quite mid-range, it's like short mid-range kind of floater zone and he was just so good at it. In the last 2 years, he hasn't you know, he's been very good, but not like an outlier good, just you know, regular 90th percentile, 85th percentile. But now he's back up there again, 62.3% of players that shot 100 shots or more. He is the second highest is Jonas Valanciunas 10 percentage points lower than him. That's crazy. I do
0: remember this, and I, and I was aware of the stat. I actually included it in an article like a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I, I do just remember that was like one of the big things that jumped out in that 2017-18 season when, where Jokic was really just making the leap. You're like, wow, how can this guy be so efficient from this far out? And then he dropped off a little bit last year, but he's back up there this year. And it was two meters. I-
1: he dropped down to, and when we say dropped down, he went from above 60% to like mid 50s. And then now he's back up above 60, which it could just be a- this is kind of what I'm getting at is do you think it's just sort of a random sample size type thing? Or do you think maybe there's something to it?
0: Well, there's probably something to it, um, but uh, it probably also just has to do with how great a touch he has, you know, oh, yeah. from, from that area on the floor. Well, he's and... definitely
1: starting from a high sort of like, you know, like he's he's always going to be good at this. But is he? But is he an outlier? Good, like that's that's the kind of thing I'm wondering. So,
0: so what what are you getting at? What do you think is behind it?
1: Um, well, I'm not really, I'm not necessarily getting at anything, but what I'm curious to see, there's two things in 2017, he was really, really thin. And in two, the next two years, you know, 18 and 19, he kind of added some weight and obviously he became a better player, but then this year he's back down to being like super, super thin again. So that that's one, you know, sort of direction my brain goes on this. And then the other direction is in 2017, he had Jameer Nelson, who I would consider a true point guard, like a veteran knows how to run the pick and roll and get the ball to him. And in the next two seasons, he had Jamal Murray sort of growing into his own. And I think this year, um, you know, he's just gotten so much better at sort of hitting Jokic on that short roll. And then the last, the third piece of this, in 2017, he had Kenneth freed In 2018 and 19, he had Paul Millsap. And this year, I just pulled it up, in January, he was shooting 65%. So even better than what he was. I wonder if... Paul Millsap going down maybe opened up that pain a little bit more. Again, this is just like I'm throwing these out. I have no uh, – this is just kind of a loose theory, like the the genesis of a theory. But um I wonder if there's just a little bit more room for him to maneuver this year.
0: Yeah, I would be more on board with that theory than the weight one. But I think there definitely could be something to that. Jeremy Grant, I thought coming in he'd be a guy who would – um you know really be in that dunker spot a lot and he has a little bit a la kind of but he's also just been you know floating out on the three-point line a lot too so and so there has been Millsap a lot of space even, to operate even yeah.
1: Millsap this year has been outside perimeter oriented more so than ever
0: yeah so yeah I think there could be something to that but um that is a crazy stat though I love that, that, that is he's nuts. back
1: up there though I mean it's just crazy um you know that that type of percentage i mean i remember a couple years back it was like him and kevin durant were like the two outliers and then everybody else in the league and it's like well that's great company because kd has like touch Mm -hmm. from everywhere so um to me it's a huge part of Jokic's game opening that up to me is like opens up a lot that's another one of those signs of a healthy offense if Jokic is consistently getting those shots and knocking them down um you were at practice today. Uh, Nuggets rarely practice, but they had two days off, so they got to practice in. The number one thing I took away from what was said tonight was that, or today was that Michael Malone envisions the Nuggets using a nine-man rotation um, going forward. How do you is that? I mean, you were there, Harrison. Is that more or less what he what he said?
0: Yeah, pretty much. And um, based on how you know, the Nuggets have operated and the rotation that they've doled out over the last couple games, that seems like it adds up. Denver has stuck pretty strictly to a uh, nine-man rotation as of late. Torrey Craig really hasn't been getting a lot of minutes. And, you know, Malone was kind of asked that in the vein of, oh, are you going to really cut down your rotation here ahead of the playoffs like a lot of teams do? And Malone pretty much said, you know, we're comfortable with nine. And we want to use our bench as much as we can because he talked about today how he thought fatigue played a big factor in the playoffs, especially in that second-round series against Portland. He thought just the physical fatigue of kind of that season and then those two playoff series really wore his team down. Uh, so he seems like he's definitely prepared to go with you know nine guys. I, I, I could really see him go into ten guys at times as well. Um, but that seems like where his head's at right now.
1: I think, in a weird way, nine playing nine guys as your core rotation might actually improve players' fatigue level, because I think Denver nine man rotation I think is is the right thing for Denver, and I like that he said nine man rotation and not you know naming what players, because I do think that there's going to be games where Torrey Craig is part of that nine man rotation. I think. The guy that probably gets cut out a little bit is either Millsap, who might rest. I mean, he just I still think they're going to be very cautious with him. Or even Mason Plumlee. And I think Malone wants to play Mason Plumlee, and he'll probably play a lot more than Torrey Craig. But there are some teams where he'll look around and say, okay, I think three bigs is good for this matchup, but we need a little bit more defense on the perimeter. It might be Michael Porter as well. I mean, that's the guy I think everybody worries about. Maybe he get his minutes get cut. I mean, he plays terrible, then I, I can see it. But – um to me, Tory Craig is probably going to sit out the most, and then maybe Mason Plumlee sometimes here or there. What do you think?
0: I'd agree, and um, it's honestly kind of tough for me to envision Tory Craig not being a part of the playoff rotation. I, he hasn't played these last couple of games, but still, just projecting this thing and how it might look in the playoffs, I just have a tough time envisioning him not being out there. and. You think about a lot of the teams the Nuggets are, might match up with in the playoffs. One of them could be the Clippers, who I'm not sure if Mason Plumlee really has a really big role against them. Right. That could be another interesting storyline heading into Friday night. Great point. Um, so I, I would agree. I think Torrey – you know, Tory's going to be probably pretty matchup dependent going forward. I, I think he does potentially play against the Clippers. He'll obviously play against the Rockets, you know, against – uh, the, against some other teams, he, he might not play And Porter and Plumlee will be part of that rotation. So I agree. I like how he said that it's fluid,
1: but it is going to be about nine guys. It seems. So do you think I you kind of already answered this, but you see tomorrow night being a Tory Craig night? I do. Uh,
0: I do looking back at this first matchup, Tory Craig was really their primary guy on Lou on uh, Lou Williams for a lot of this game. And uh,
1: yeah, that's an interesting matchup. Okay.
0: And I don't know if that's like a great matchup for Torrey Craig, but I think Denver would try him on there. And, um, you know, I, I don't think Torrey Craig is a great matchup on Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. I think Denver's got a bunch of other guys that they can throw at him at those guys that are better options than Torrey, but maybe on Lou Williams, uh, he's an intriguing one. Mason Plumlee is the one that, you know, what's his role in this game? Uh, the Clippers play a lot of a lot of small ball. Uh, Zubach and Harrell, really, they're two bigs. They've got Marcus Morris now. Uh, Denver can check him with Paul Millsap or Jeremy Grant. Uh, Mason Plumlee seems like he should be maybe the odd one out. I don't know if he will be, but maybe he should be in this one.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I wonder if we'll even see the uh, Grant at small forward lineup. I mean, it seems to be a go-to Malone has against, you know, the Lakers. He's tried obviously Jeremy Grant against Kawhi and it's been really good. To me, that's maybe the most interesting question. Both does Malone kind of go to a rotation that he seems to have only earmarked for those two teams? And then also, how does if he does play against him, how does Grant look against Kawhi because in the preseason I really thought he shut him down and in the regular season I really thought he shut him down. But I still don't think that he can shut Kawhi Leonard down. So if he does it, what would basically be the second time in the regular season, third if you include like that quarter of preseason. Um, to me, that would be a really sort of positive sign. It'd be like, hey, maybe there's something for real here that Jeremy Grant is the, you know, the Kawhi stopper at least to some degree.
0: Yeah, the Clippers in a lot of respects, I, like I feel like Denver can exploit their defensive scheme because they just don't have a matchup for Jokic. But on the other side of things, I am kind of excited and a little terrified to see how the Nuggets starters match up with the Clippers, because since getting Marcus Morris, they've been starting him at the four, and then it's going to be Paul George and Kawhi Leonard at the two and three. That means Gary Harris and Will Barton are most likely going to be guarding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So yeah, uh, a little curious to see how that goes.
1: I am I am as well. It's going to be a really fascinating game on so many levels, man. Um and it, I don't want to say I don't I don't know that any one game at this moment is sort of like, you know, do or die, whatever, but this one definitely does feel like it has a little extra weight to it. Um in, in small part because, you know, Denver's got a two-game winning streak, nothing crazy. Um they've got Toronto at home, which I think will be a dogfight, but then you get Golden State, Charlotte, Cleveland, um, you know you might you just have a chance to string a couple together a couple games here and every winning streak matters we just saw tonight um, the Portland Trailblazers go down the Thunder almost went down like, it just feels like every night now we're at that point of the season where every loss moves people the Utah Jazz just went on a losing streak a four-game losing streak and our sixth <laughs> they're 6th they they're one ahead of Dallas for seventh we might get Denver right. Utah in the first round and
0: you know if I'm not gets maybe I feel pretty good about that
1: yeah. I don't know, man. Division games are always weird because you play each other four times. They play each other twice in the final week of the season. So can you imagine going straight from that into a playoff series? I mean, there's something about that that I just don't like. I don't, I mean, I don't, maybe, it, maybe it's advantage Denver in that case, but there's, there's just something I don't like about playing a team six times in the course <laughs> of like two weeks. I think that'd be a little scary. Um, any other news, no, news or notes from practice or observations?
0: Uh, you know, Michael Malone, Nikola Jokic in uh, really good moods, which is something I always note. So yeah. I feel like the team's pretty loose right now, pretty relaxed, and you know they've played some pretty good basketball out of the All Star break. So uh, they, they really should. The other thing that was notable, um, Michael Malone, and this is probably a little coach speak, but saying that, you no, know, he'll look to rest guys down the stretch if certain guys need it. And down the stretch, I think he's referring to like the last couple of games of the year like they did last year. You and think this was that's what of, he meant
1: by down the stretch? J- not, yeah. not like now is down the stretch?
0: No, I think down the stretch as in like the last five games of the season because wow. this okay. was about – this was kind of in the vein of, oh, Kawhi Leonard has been load managing a lot this year. And Michael Malone was talking about just rest and whatnot. He says that it's really tough to actually talk his guys into sitting games – And that Nikola Jokic wants to play every game. Um, But he also said that one of the Nuggets' goals out of the All-Star break is to go for the one seed, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I don't think Denver will, like, run their guys into the ground by any means to go for the one seed. They won't do that. But if it's there, if it's a possibility... I think the Nuggets want to go for it.
1: Here's the best case scenario for Denver is that they put enough of a gap between them and the three and the four. Cause I don't, I think the one sees out of, I honestly think it's unrealistic six games, you know, it could happen, but, I mean, LeBron the Lakers, the, maybe taking some games off over it, the next month. Well, I mean they've only lost twelve all year, so you're asking them to lose six more than whatever you lose the rest of the year. I mean that's just you're basically asking them to do something they haven't proven to do through two thirds of the season. So maybe it happens, but I think better or or equally as important for Denver is if you can get that like three or four game cushion on whoever it is chasing you for the three, then you can sort of afford to rest some guys down the uh, the stretch and fully be ready for the playoffs and here's what's interesting Harrison a, a little schedule quirk the last two games of the season home against Dallas at Utah right now six seed Utah seven seed Dallas Denver might be in position to name their opponent
0: <laughs> oh wow spicy that's Sp- spicy
1: a little spicy I kind of like spicy. I mean they did it last year it'd be really interesting if they're like oh no we want uh we want you guys and you know, you Who do you think they'd
0: against. rather play? Utah or
1: Dallas? Man, that's such a great question. This is what sucks about the West is that you just look at it and I'm like, man, none of these are gimmies. I think Denver's better than both and wins both, but God, you, I, I personally probably Dallas. Um, but, I, <laughs> I agree, but because you, you, here's the thing about Utah, they might just be in a downward spiral spiral that doesn't ever recover. But to me, it feels more, at least at this moment, it feels more like a collapse that's going to cost them a home game, a home, you know, home court advantage, but it still feels like there's, you know, eight weeks left of the season. They have time to figure it out and they have the talent. So I don't know. I, I, I think Utah will be much better by the playoffs. Whereas I think Dallas kind of is who they are with the roster they have right now.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Dallas is maybe a little just less scary in their, uh, ancillary pieces around Luke Doncic. Should we hit a read?
1: Not yet. I want to ask you one more question, and that okay. is: I saw your video. You posted the y- yesterday. I just saw it today for whatever reason, but I, but I saw you posted it yesterday of Bowl Bowl warming up, and we're starting to see him out and about a little bit more. Like he was kind of hidden from us for a while, but he's out and about more. And you showed a video of him just casually draining four corner threes, and then walking to the top of the key and casually draining four straight top, like. I like I did with Michael Porter. He's out of sight out of mind to me, but every now and then I see a video like that and I'm just like reminded like, "Oh yeah, this dude is like silky, man."
0: Well, he shot 52% from 3 at Oregon.
1: Yeah, but it was like 16 of 30 or something. I mean, it wasn't it was such it was, a
0: It was yeah, it was 3 attempts per game over 9 games, so yeah, like 30 attempts total.
1: Yeah, so but I'm not he... going to I'm not going to get too crazy about that number just yet.
0: He's always been a shooter though. He's always been a super skilled guy for somebody who's seven foot two.
1: I just and you and he, he's he, so tall. I mean, Jokic is tall, but but Bull Bull like dwarfs him, man.
0: And the funniest thing is Bull has a pretty uh, low release, like the re- release is at his shoulders, but for him it's still like above <laughs> everybody else's
1: head. The longest of the long boys. I, I just I there's no sense in talking about like last year. There's no sense in talking about Michael Porter. But when I saw your video and just some of the things I've seen because he's been around and shooting and stuff, you're just kind of reminded like who knows what this guy is and when he. Pl- I think he's probably more of a two year project. But seeing yeah. him again is just, it was just kind of nice to dream for a second. Like oh yeah, that's right. They might have another yeah. superstar. <laughs> waiting it's Like in the wings. oh, they've got
0: this guy. Just kind of. <laughs> warming in the bullpen they that's what they oh. need
1: they need next year to be the like you know maybe he plays four or five hundred minutes like not that many minutes four or five hundred minutes and then it's like okay it's extension time you haven't really proven yourself let's give you four years you know like a long extension for cheap and then it turns out he's a superstar that's like okay boom got it um at least that's what i want all right let's hit a read what do we got
0: so i was just browsing twitter today i saw this tweet from breck brew four hours ago Warning: This will probably make you want a nitro raspberry oh, raspberry vanilla porter. That's Did you my see jan- this one? Yeah,
1: that's my. J- I was so you wonder know something funny. We went to the Breck Brewery Farmhouse or whatever it's called, and I was blown away that they actually have like thirty beers. <laughs> they then like that was one right. Of you, them. Thought, you thought they had just the four that we talked about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I know the like six or seven, but yeah. So I I didn't. I don't think I saw that one until I saw the tweet. But I was like, oh my god, look at that thing! Oh, it looks like a dessert. You know i've never had it before um me neither man,
0: i'm craving it right now me
1: too. I'm, it. <laughs> I'm a big uh i'm a stout guy like uh, porter and stout I, I really like the dark beers stout in particular
0: yeah see i'm not usually but if it's got some raspberry in it if it's a nitro i can i can get on that train i am wondering if breck brew put this out in uh anticipation of a big night from our guy uh
1: Michael Ooh, Porter Jr. So nitro Porter. He, we might get a Nitro Porter Jr. tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. Is that when, when Michael Porter goes off? He becomes a Nitro Porter. I like it.
0: <laughs> uh, it would also be uh, great to wash some bojos down with a uh, Nitro Raspberry Vanilla Porter.
1: Seems a you bit guys... heavy, but okay. I can roll. <laughs> I can pretend for a second. <laughs> Pizza
0: and Nitro Porter. Let's go. I can't uh, you drink, got-
1: you don't want to know how terrible I am I can't drink beer while eating pizza That's a, It's like the ultimate combo And I can't do it, I don't like it
0: Yeah well it's gotta be A light beer probably for me If I'm having pizza with it Or it's a light a pizza beer. <laughs> yeah, Or a light pizza <laughs> Right yep. now if you guys mentioned DNVR at Bojo's You'll get a free honey cheese bread with a purchase Of an entree valid at all six Colorado Locations Tremendous salad bar as well. Remember that tremendous salad bar.
1: Tremendous. Yeah, I want to see pictures. I, I people aren't sending us enough pictures of of Bojo's and Illegal pizza. I got the uh, a, a little surprise for you. I got the the self proclaimed Jokic of podcasters uh, flying in from Romania this weekend. Uh, Bogdan, I don't know if you guys remember Bogdan from last year, would come on the show. My buddy. Uh, I, I made friends with him because he's a diehard Nuggets fan from Romania, and he'd fly in every year. He's coming in this next week, and I can't wait to take him both two bojos and two uh, illegal Pete's. It's gonna be a real a real experience.
0: So the Jokic of podcasting, does he just give that title to himself? Or? Oh
1: yeah, totally. This is like yeah, this is a, a total self proclaimed nickname. I don't think it even makes sense. Um, but you know what? He's he's a foreigner. We're, we're gonna give it to him. All right. Can't wait. <laughs> um, all right. Segment two here. In segment three, guys, we're going to take some questions. I love that you guys keep sending. We got four great questions in from subscribers. Of course, you can subscribe for $5 a month. Um, let me put it this way. You're going to be kicking yourself if you don't subscribe because we have some cool stuff coming up here. In two weeks. Harrison knows the secret. Two weeks, Harrison. Can you believe this? Two weeks. Oh, had, had a big meeting for a big reveal, and I was just like, "You got to be kidding me! Oh my god, the amount of stuff we have to to accomplish in two weeks!" But um, you're just—all I want to say is—you're gonna want to subscribe. You're gonna want to get in now. I've never lied to you. I've never led you astray. If you were on the fence or whatever. Go and do it right now, thednvr.com. But in segment three, we're going to take questions. And, of course, if you are a subscriber, you can always send us a question. We'll answer it. But in segment two, we're going to look at – because I talked about this with Eric yesterday. One of the things people keep telling me is, you know, oh, everything's going to get tougher next year. So this is the window where things aren't tough as if the NBA ever has like an easy championship. Um, but we're going to look at just the Western Conference and ask which teams will be better next year. Actually, we're just going to th- go through every team and ask, will they be better, worse, or maybe the same? And I think it'll be a nice little exercise for us. So let's start. Let's start with Portland first. Um, we're going to do the the like kind of by division, but Portland first. Mm-hmm. They're an interesting one. Damian Lillard. I mean, this was conversational, Harrison. You just you totally dropped the ball on this. I um, thought you were setting it up. <laughs> no, that was my setup. <laughs> this is this is an interesting. Once so you've got. Um, You know, obviously Lillard and McCollum are almost certainly going to be there and Yusef Nurkic almost certainly going to be there. So on the surface, you could look at this and say, oh, yeah, they're going to be better. And I think that's ultimately the answer. But the rest of their roster just seems to be coming and going. Um, What do you what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think they'll be better, but not like a ton better. They're still like really in salary cap hell and um, like they just don't have a lot of outs. One of their big outs is, you know, trading C.J. McCollum probably, but yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't know if I see Portland doing that. They they seem to like the continuity, although you know it did get them to the Western Conference Finals last year. So I also maybe like, they lean on that. Who,
1: who takes C.J. McCollum? It's not that he's not a great player, but he's thirty million dollars per year next year. He got four more years after this season, so starting next year, and he finishes at thirty-six million. Like he's a really good player, but. Man, that's like a compromise. Thirty six million, you know. It's one of those guys that's like, yeah, he's good, but I don't know if he can be your second best player.
0: Yeah, I don't think he can. Uh, I mean, he's gonna be the, paid like it. the the, the rumored deal forever was C J. McCollum for Kevin Love. I don't think that helps Portland enough. I, I think that probably makes Portland even worse potentially.
1: Man, how about Kevin Love? Remember him being like an actual superstar, and then I mean, it's it's funny that we could think about how good he was, and then being like, yeah, that doesn't move the needle. It might. Nurkic and Love, maybe I don't know.
0: I don't know. I don't think that moves that n- moves the needle. So I think they'll be better, but very marginally better. I mean, just from a, a pure like health aspect, they'll be healthier next year than they were this year.
1: Should we? Are, would you say they're more going to be the better or more going to be the same?
0: Uh, I'm gonna say better. I'll, I'll say better. Like they're 26 and 34 right now. <laughs> I think they're point. like clo- closer to 500.
1: Okay, I agree. I happen to agree with you. All right, what about the Minnesota Timberwolves?
0: I mean, Minnesota's 17 and 40.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great point. Yeah, they're, they're not going
0: to be worse. Look, I'll be the first one to say I'm not a believer in a Towns D'Angelo Russell core. Like yeah. I, I could not be more out on that two-man core. Um, so, you know, I, I will say – marginally better yeah. like I'm not gonna go ahead and say way better uh, I'll say like probably probably closer to the same to be honest they're gonna be bad again oh
1: you think they're gonna be like a, t- a 25 30 win team next year
0: yeah they're gonna be bad again wow. next year
1: I think they'll be good. I mean, they have a lot of questions this summer cuz they have like half of their roster is on like rookie scale contracts. They've they've suddenly become extremely young. I do think Malik Beasley becomes their third best player and Wancho I think has a role there. But I think that they are the 2017 Nuggets next year. They're fun. They score a lot of points, but you know, the good teams are still going to beat them.
0: But that's better. Yeah, but that's but, better. But the 2017-18 Nuggets were I guess they were what 40 and 42.
1: Yeah, they might not be quite well. It, it, I think the West is really loaded next year, so they might be the same type, same stylistically, same caliber, whatever. But yeah, that might only equal thirty five wins, and um, so I don't know. They'll be, but they will be better. They're not going to win twenty five games next year. I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll be in the playoff hunt uh, by this time next year. Mm, I don't. I, I think they'll probably drop off sooner. But you have to understand when I say they'll be in the playoff hunt right now in the Western Conference. There are only Really, three? Maybe really only two teams not in the playoff hunt: Golden State and Minnesota. Phoenix and Sacramento like can fool themselves in. I mean, they're only four games behind right now. Isn't that crazy? Sacramento and Phoenix only four games out. That's all I mean. Like they might not yep. be the favorite, but I think they'll be there within like three games of the eight seed. Yeah, I
0: could see that. Yeah, for sure. The eight seed is also going to be historically bad this year.
1: Oh, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, all right. What about the Oklahoma City Thunder?
0: Oklahoma City Thunder, man, that's they're going to be worse next
1: year. Yeah, they're definitely going to be worse next year. It's tough because Gallinari's off the books. He would like to re-sign there. Um, I don't. That's really that's really the only big
0: piece that they're going to be missing. They're going to have Chris Paul. They're going to have SGA. They're going to have. Do you think they'll have Chris Paul? Oh man, who's going to take that contract?
1: Well, it's only two years. It's only two years. I mean Chris Paul is really good. I mean at this point like we just talked about CJ McCollum at almost the same money, slightly slightly less money, but would you rather have CJ McCollum for four more years at 34 million a year or Chris Paul at two more years at 42 million a year? I kind of would rather have Chris Paul. Oh, I'd rather have Chris Paul easily. Easily. And it's only two years. Like that that contract might be sellable as an expiring after next year. So I don't know. If I were Oklahoma City, as good as I think they are, and as much as I think Chris Paul is like their best player and the reason that they're so good, it, just, it might be worth, like, he did his job. He was their Jameer Nelson. He elevated things. Now, now move on and, and get stuff for him, because I think you might be able to.
0: Yeah, the Chris Paul game is funny. I was playing with this with a couple people the other night, who would would you rather have Kyrie Irving for three years or Chris Paul for two years?
1: Chris Paul for two? well, first of all, you couldn't Chris Kyrie Irving to me, I, there you could not get me to take him on if you gave him to me for free, I would say, man, I don't know. you need to you need to look around. I don't think you should do that. I, think I love Chris, it i I am so out on I was out on Kyrie when he won a championship. um, and that was like the best scenario and best he can possibly play. I'm just I'm not a Kyrie believer, man. i I think that dude is is a little. <laughs> Between the years, it's just not there. But um, All right, so we think worse. So Oklahoma City, we're both yeah. going worse on. Okay, that's interesting. Here's a real fascinating one, the Utah Jazz.
0: The Utah Jazz. I think they'll be the same.
1: Mm, okay. Don't bring back
0: everybody. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll try to move off of Conley. I mean, he's been an absolute bust, but Mitchell will be there is probably still going to be there. Gobert's going to be there. Those are going to, that's going to be their big 3.
1: Yeah. You
0: now and Phil, fill those guys in with pieces around the edges. I think they'll be about the same.
1: You never think about this kind of stuff, but Gobert next year's the last year of his deal. <laughs> It'd be like Gobert leaving Utah would be really fascinating, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, there's no way he's leaving though. What do you mean? Why not? I why mean, why would he? It's not because, it's not like, you. I mean, it, I mean, obviously this is getting ahead of ourselves, but Utah, you know, when things start to go south, you know, players just are like, okay, this has run its course, and I'm not saying that they could bounce back, but if it doesn't, and they have a terrible year, and they get bounced in the first round in a non-competitive series, and then come back next year, and it's like, oh no, it turns out we're just the seventh best team in the West, maybe you look at it and go, I don't know, maybe I want to try greener pastures, or not even greener pastures, but just a change of scenery, I could see it.
0: I want to try... Teaming up with Luka Doncic,
1: there you go. Maybe, maybe that's maybe, the, maybe that's the thing. Uh, all right, so you, you say the same. I kind of yeah, I say the same. All right, our first same. All right, the Lakers. I'll say the
0: same. Okay, I'll say the same. I think they might. The Lakers are going to find a way to get some better role players next year. Mm. I've like maybe they trade Kyle Kuzma next year and, and just kind of replace him with a guy that fits around LeBron and AD better. Um I, I think they'll they'll get better role players, but like they're probably playing uh, I I can't see them being
1: that much better. Do you see him like signing cousins again? <laughs> you know like oh, god. I mean, they might just be picking up those types. I I I you ready for a hot take? I'm going to say worse. You're going to say the same and I think that's fair. I'm going to say worse for this one reason. At some point, the wind's just going to come out of LeBron's sale, and I'm—that's just one factor. But it's like a bigger factor to me. He's thirty-five. You know, by this time next year, he'll be thirty-six. Like I'm thirty-six, man. My body kills me. Like at some <laughs> point, man, it's just—and sometimes it happens all at once. Sometimes it's just you know, oh, an injury happens and you never quite bounce back from it like you thought you would or like you have your whole life or the jets jet engines just aren't firing. And to me, this is the story even with the Lakers this year. If LeBron is not the LeBron we've known for the last 15 years, that Lakers team is very beatable. Like they're actually just pretty good as opposed to great. Um, So they need LeBron and I don't know. We're just – are you not at all concerned? Like he's been – he has so much mileage on him.
0: No, I am concerned. And another thing I would be concerned about is he's on this whole revenge tour thing this season. Yeah. Hashtag washed king. Yeah. Uh, you know, after the revenge tour, you know, what happens next year? What does he have to play for during the regular season? He's already Ooh. proved all the doubters wrong. So if, he, he just if they get a championship, next yeah, regular season. you
1: know what? I don't see it happening. I don't see that happening, <laughs> but, you know, who knows? All right, the Clippers.
0: The Clippers... Oh Man, this is uh, – my answers are really boring. I'm going to go the same.
1: They're going to be the exact same. I think that's a fair – I think that's fair. Because here's what I think about the Clippers. I don't think they're an 82-game te- uh, team. I, th- I think they're a 16-game 16, 16 team, which means well,
0: like well, – yeah. Well, I mean, Paul George is definitely not an 82-game player. Same with Kawhi. <laughs> so I
1: just think like next year I could see them being like the sixth seed but being just as good in the playoffs, so – um. yeah, I'm with you there. Montrezl Harrell is up. Uh, Marcus Morris is obviously up. I mean, they've traded away a lot of assets to kind of build the roster that they have now. So they might not have as much flexibility as you think. I'm going to go same as well. Um, what about Golden State? Easy one.
0: Yeah, I mean, Golden State's probably the biggest riser out of all these teams, right? I mean, Curry. How Clay, good are Tom, they going
1: to be next year?
0: A number one pick. Uh, You know, I think they'll settle in at maybe like the – 4th or
1: 5th seed. Yeah, I could man, I don't know. I actually think they're going to be a lower seed next year. I th- I think that Draymond Clay stuff is very good. Wiggins will be interesting, but they're still missing some of the pieces that made I mean like Iguodala made a big difference to that team the pre KD version and so did Bogut. And I just don't know if they have anybody that kind of fits those bills. Livingston well, was a big piece yeah. of it, you know, he's no you know, so I don't know. I'm gonna say that they're gonna be better, obviously, but I, I still think that they're going to be a lower seeded Western Conference team.
0: The problem with Golden State, obviously they're capped out and whatnot. They don't really have anybody coming up to the pipeline. You know, they they've <laughs> struck they've struck out on all the second round, you know, fringe guys they've taken chances on.
1: We'll see. I mean, they, some of it, like the, Pes- Pascal, um, Smilovic, you know, the Serbians are going to get mad if I screwed up that name. Um, those guys, sometimes rookies you can't really quite tell, especially in that environment. But I am with you. I don't think any of those guys are, you know, to write home about. Um, mm-hmm. Sacramento.
0: Sacramento, they're 24 and 34 right now. Does Luke
1: uh, Walton st- keep his job?
0: Probably not. Probably not? They're going to change again? <laughs> i mean why why not if you are really kings just keep going until you hit
1: dude they kings they kings really hard tonight man and blew a blew a pretty big lead to, i guess maybe that's what they wanted to do because now they're in tank mode but um i think this team is coming to a head i think the players that there's some players that have been there for a little too long buddy healed even De'Aaron fox i wonder if these these guys are just like man screw this organization this sucks
0: Wasn't it De'Aaron Fox who was like, yes, I want to be drafted by Sacramento. Like, I want to bring the Kings back. Or is that Marvin Bagley?
1: Uh, I don't know. But whoever said it, I'm sure had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) Like, it's a feel-good story to be like, I'm going to go to this organization and save it. But then when you get there and the organization is completely incompetent, you're like, oh, God, I didn't realize that's what this meant. I thought – I was talking about the fan base. Like, I wanted to save the fan base. Not I'm going to save this, like, insane (laughs) owner and terrible organizational structure.
0: Well, you can keep, you can keep that energy up throughout your rookie season, and then just kind of the the Kings energy just gets to you. It, it infects you.
1: Oh, do you remember the uh, Blake Griffin, his rookie year with Donald Sterling, when Donald Sterling brought him up and forced him to like stand there while he sort of like touched him and gave a speech, and it was like the most uncomfortable thing ever? Like That's the kind of stuff that Blake Griffin could have walked in and been like, I'm here for Clippers Nation. We're going to make this happen. But then when you get there and you're like, oh, God, this owner's a creep and a jerk and like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable all the time. It's like, sorry, fan base.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Trust me, you guys don't understand. I, th- I think Sacramento has a little bit of that where it's just like, my God it's so hard to do my job yeah. here
0: uh, it, it's unfortunate because it did seem like the Kings were going in the right direction for a little and you know they've still got some core pieces but um they definitely fudged like the in-between step that a team like the nuggets hit perfectly oh, you know
1: yeah no doubt about it um, okay what about the Phoenix Suns
0: uh Phoenix Suns they'll be the same
1: yeah I think the 24 same and
0: too. 35 they'll be the same um, you know unless. I mean, Phoenix. If I'm not mistaken, is going to potentially be one of the teams that just has a bunch of cap room. Yeah, maybe they do. this yeah, summer.
1: They, yeah, they they have a lot of space. Yep.
0: And it's only like them, Atlanta, Chicago. It's not a very attractive bunch. Yeah. <laughs> but and NBA players have always had an affinity for Phoenix. It's and, warm. Yes. And so maybe you know they're just kind of the. Uh, the most attractive of these all unattractive free agent landing spots.
1: They, these teams always do this. Like they have some players I kind of like bridges, Cameron Johnson, obviously Aiton and Booker. Like you always get a like Kelly Oubre. You always get these young players and then you end up being like, you know what? Let's bring in this marginal veteran and it'll eat minutes from our young guys. And then it's like, well, what did you do that for? <laughs> like now, now Cameron Johnson's not any good. You didn't give him an opportunity. I too, I'm going to go the same. I think certain teams just are who they are and it doesn't matter what what the air is. Um, Dallas. Dallas, man. This one's easy for me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go – you know, I'm going to go the same, 36 and 23. I feel like they're going to be in that like four to seven range in the conference next season too.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to be good. Luka's obviously great. Chris Stapp's, I think, another year sort of like getting that together. Get Dwight Powell back. Um, and then I I don't know. I think they're going to make some smart moves this summer. I think their team is set up to to maneuver a little bit. And I think Dallas is another place where people, um, you know, I, I just I feel like they have something up their sleeve this summer. So I'm going to go pause. I'm going to go that they're going to be better. What Here's a really fascinating one. San Antonio.
0: I think things are kind
1: of coming to a head in San Antonio. So next it's year, it's gotta be. They have sixteen million dollars on the books for twenty twenty one, twenty two. So like next year wow. is sort of like their entire roster comes <laughs> comes off the books. It's like their last year. So it does feel like next year is the last run of what has already been a declining returns team.
0: Maybe it's the last run, and then you know they get off to a slow start out of the gate in October and November, and just kind of sell off pieces from that point on. Um, I mean, they've got to know it, right? But, yeah. like, if they can't get into the playoffs this year and, like, they're three and a half back, and I think probably if I had to rank Memphis, Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio in terms of likelihood of making the playoffs and getting that eighth oh, spot, man, San last. Antonio would be the last.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. And,
0: and wow. so, I mean, San Antonio's probably just got to look themselves at the mirror, in the mirror. I don't know what Pop's future is going to be there. Uh, but, um, yeah. yeah, I'll go worse.
1: Um. All right. What about? Yeah, I agree. What about? Uh, Houston.
0: Houston. I'll go. Um, it's tough. But um, I'll go worse. Me too. I'll go worse. Houston kind of could be in flux this summer too.
1: I I think uh, so like, too. Yep. Uh,
0: this playoffs. I mean, really, it might not even you know matter what happens in the playoffs unless they like get to the finals. But like, you could definitely see a scenario where D'Antoni's gone or Daryl Morey's gone. Who knows what that means for James Harden? Like, how much trust does he have in the Rockets if the two really guys that he spent all his time in Houston with are not there any longer? They could just hit a massive reset button, I feel like, depending on how the playoffs go. I
1: think PJ Tucker, as good as he is, I mean, he probably has more good years in him, but, you know, I think there's diminishing returns there. And then, yeah, if they don't win the championship this year, Harrison, and especially if they lose in like the first or second round they might just clean house with Maury clean house with D'Antoni. And and if that happens, like I just don't think it's going to work out. I don't think you keep this roster and get a new coach in and it works. So I think Houston is a very big candidate to be worse. That being said, if they win the title this year, which is, I guess a possibility they win the title this year, I think they'll be better next year. So a lot hinges on their own success. Um, Here's another easy one. New Orleans.
0: Yeah. New Orleans way better. Yeah. And um are you worried na-
1: about New Orleans?
0: Oh, for sure. Probably not next year, but the year after that, definitely. I'm worried and- about him
1: next year. <laughs> Zion <laughs> is, is generational
0: yeah. talent, man.
1: He scores he twenty every game.
0: He is. And if you're David Griffin, how happy are you that you didn't trade JJ Reddick for like a late first round pick? Oh, yeah. Or Drew Holiday. For Gary Harris. How oh, happy man. that you held Very on to those happy. Guys. Very happy.
1: Very happy because <laughs> – I mean, if they make the playoffs this year, that experience is just going to be so insane. I, I think they're better next year. I think that team comes together. Way better. Way better team. And then last but not least, the Memphis Grizzlies.
0: Uh, better as well. Better as well. Memphis is my league pass side piece. I love <laughs> Memphis's score. Yeah. John Moran, Aaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks – yeah, your boy uh, Brooks. Clark. Love what they're building there. Some uh kind of early nuggets vibes from them. So I really like Memphis.
1: Yeah, I think they're better too. So if we just look at this, Harrison, we have one, two, three, four, five, six teams as being better. One, two, three, four, five teams as being the same. We only have three teams as being worse next year.
0: Who do we have being worse? The Spurs, the Kings?
1: And Oklahoma and City.
0: Oklahoma City. And only one of those is a playoff team.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this is going to be the West is definitely going to be tough again next year. But that's just a lot, man. The NBA is going to be tough. I don't know. It was an interesting exercise. And some of this will certainly be wrong. Um, Things happen. I think we all thought Minnesota would be better this year than what they actually were. Um, But it's still an interesting exercise to just look at it and go, wow, a lot of these teams have the ability to be even better next year. What a bummer. Take us to a break. Have you ever had
0: one of our sponsors, Adam, show up in a dream?
1: <laughs> I have not, but I know we've had listeners who have.
0: <laughs> our guy Adrian hit us up on Twitter and said oh, that uh, so Robert Craft Coffee showed up in his dream last oh, wow. night.
1: That's incredible.
0: <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that means we're doing our job. <laughs> maybe, Maybe too well. Maybe too well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys know right now you can purchase. I want to know how many
1: people have online. dreams of, about about me in particular or you in particular and what those dreams are, I, are like. I don't know if I want to know. I don't, actually, you're right. I don't know if I do want to know. <laughs> uh, I still had a.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Right now, you guys p- purchase StravaCraft coffee online for 20% off using the code DNVR20. If you're around Denver, you can actually try it at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. Again, remember, purchase online for 20% off using code DNBR20.
1: You know, the weirdest thing is that when people listen to the show and then meet me in person, they're like, wow, you look different than what I would have guessed you look like. I'm always like, okay. What do they (laughs) they think you look like? I don't know. Maybe less attractive. I don't know. (laughs) They're like, wow, stunningly handsome. Uh, All right, let's get into the questions. We got five of them, I believe. So why don't you uh, do the honors of reading them?
0: Yeah, first one is going to come from our guy, Miroslav. The homie. The Nuggets have a non-zero chance to win it all this season. If it happens, where would that put Jokic on the top 10 players list?
1: Does this mean the top 10 currently or top 10, like, are we talking all time? Probably currently. Yeah, I I think currently. Um if the Nuggets won the championship, though, well, first of all, it depend on how he performs. So if like Jamal Murray averaged forty points per game in the finals, it'd be like, okay, well that, that factors into this equation. But if the I mean, Nuggets, Nuggets are winning a championship if Jokic doesn't have an unbelievable series. Come I'm on. J- I'm just putting a qualifier <laughs> in here. But yes, you're right. If Jokic plays and just like it was him, you know, everybody plays well, but he sort of ascended to kind of take that reign. To me, he would automatically climb to the to, you know, that top three or four spot where Going into next season, you would say, okay, LeBron is LeBron. He's got three championships, but you know, presumably somebody had to beat him en route to that if it's the Nuggets or whatever. Um, but I don't think you're going to knock LeBron off of that perch just off of one. Maybe you would, but I don't know. I think Kevin Durant coming back will say, okay, let's see it. But if he gets back to full health, he's still right up there. I think Jokic would just be right there, though. When you talk about guys like Giannis, they haven't proven it. They're great. And maybe he proves it this year but he hasn't proven it. You talk about Steph Curry, you know, James Harden. If Jokic is able to go all the way to the finals, to me, he's in the conversation for one, and then he would be almost certainly like top three or four.
0: Right. Well, so Giannis has never made a finals. That's right? what I'm
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's something him and Jokic have in common. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. If, if the Nuggets were to win a championship, he would be right there in the argument. Um, You know, I would be pretty comfortable putting him
1: in the top three. Well, the thing about it that's interesting with Jokic, and I kind of like, I'm going to say I half believe this, Harrison. Regular season Jokic, we see the flashes of it, but I honestly think there's a level of like he knows what the switch is. Like he has a switch. And last year, 25, 13, 8.5 in an average in his first. Like part of me wonders, is it that crazy to think he goes for, you know, ridiculous numbers and just that this playoffs is the best Jokic we've ever seen like are we two months away from seeing an even better version of Jokic from anything we've seen before
0: I mean it's on the table this guy finished fourth in MVP voting last year I I, would have put him third he carried the nuggets last year actually and this is hard to believe but through more games missed due to injury than this year yeah and you know had an unbelievable season did all that and then raised his game, like not just one notch, a couple notches, two, three
1: notches in the playoffs. I think it's on the table. If, it's a weird qualifier, but if they make it, if they win the championship this year, he's in the conversation for best player in the NBA because nobody's talking. Denver didn't have a second All Star. How many other of the top teams did? You know, Denver wasn't a team everybody was picking. A lot of people think they're going to get upset in the first round. So if he takes all them all the way there. He's going to have to go through some great players and he would have to, um, you know, carry what we think is a very, very good team, but he's still by far the best player. So I I, I obviously don't think that's going to happen. But if he did, we're going to start the bandwagon that he is number one.
0: Oh, yeah, we're definitely starting that. Uh, Miroslav also asks, uh, what is the better matchup versus the Lakers when they're playing Anthony Davis either at the four or the five. So if mm. like if you're the Nuggets, would you rather they play Davis at the four or the five?
1: I don't feel like I have a good read on this just yet. Um, well, if, if, if the question is just, where would I rather them play? I'd rather AD play at the four The the Lakers when, and I think this is their playoff secret weapon playing him at the five with LeBron at, kind of at the point four to me, that's just, you're dead. That's going to be a, that's going to be such a difficult <laughs> one, two punch to, to, to defend. But, um, so I would rather defend Anthony Davis at the floor, but they're both tough and I'm not really sure who Denver how Denver matches up in either scenario.
0: I would agree, and it probably comes down to would you rather go up against JaVale McGee or would you rather like have a guy like Avery Bradley or Kuzman, you know Danny Green on, Dan Danny Green on the
1: floor? Yeah.
0: And uh, I, I'm with you. I just think the Lakers are so just so much more dangerous. Yeah, Marquise Morris now. Lakers are just so much more dangerous when they're small with Anthony Davis at the five. That's going to be yeah, kind of their death lineup.
1: I think Jokic can guard Anthony Davis at the four. Like I mean, the, just the way that matches up. I I could think I could see it, but I don't know if I could at the five. It's going to be so tough because they're going to be so spread out. Going to have to guard LeBron in space. Going to have to guard AD in space without fouling. To me, that's what I would be. AD at the five, I'm really worried about Jokic getting in foul trouble.
0: And this was very apparent in that last Nuggets-Lakers matchup. Jokic is just by far Denver's best matchup for Davis. Yeah, Paul Millsap is too short. Jeremy Grant too uh, just not strong enough. And I don't think they did have Mason Plumlee that last game. But Jokic is just Denver's best matchup on Davis. Yep. All right, what's next? Ranchman writes in. I read this comment today by George Carl, who was reacting to the rumor that Quinn, Snyder, oh, yeah. Quinn Snyder's plan to bench Mike Conley was overruled by the front office. Quote, I would have had a serious problem, this is George Carl, if a GMR owner messed with my rotations. It's a new world. Coaches <laughs> should be allowed to do coaching. Ranchman goes on to write, I've always wondered what occurred that led to George Carl's firing after coaching the Nuggets 57 wins and winning Coach of the Year award. There was a lot going on at the time as the firing occurred immediately after Masai Ujiri declined to sign a new contract and accepted a position with the Toronto Raptors. Why do you think George Carl was fired at him?
1: Well, I, I, he, you kind of alluded to it there, Ranchman, that, um, there, there was a lot kind of going on. And I think, you know, obviously Josh Kroenke had taken over, um, you know, not too long before. And I think often when you get a sort of change, change in like the decision making, There's a lot of times you want to go with your guys, and let's not forget, George Carl was a fantastic coach, but there was a sense around him, including in that 57-win season, that great coach, but there's a ceiling on how good he could be. Whether this was right or wrong, it sure felt like that. I mean, people have to remember, imagine if Michael Malone made it to the playoffs for the next six years, and only once did they make it out of the first round? I, I mean, it's hard to imagine that, but... I mean, there's people that if the Nuggets lose in the second round this year are going to say it was a disappointment. Can you imagine if he lost in the first round, first round, first round, first round, finally made it to the conference finals, then first round, first round, first round? That's the way it went. And so I think sometimes we overthink it. Was it unfair to expect him to do better with that 57 win team, especially when he won coach of the year? Probably. But at the same time. I think the Nuggets ultimately under Josh Kroenke have settled on this long-term vision of how the Nuggets are supposed to be run. And it took a couple of years of them stumbling and and, uh, him and Tim Conley sort of tripping over their own feet as they figured it out. But once they got their footing, it's only been an upward trajectory from there. So um, I don't think there's a ton of conspiracy theories. There's of course personality clashes. I think George Carl, very um, confident, You know, maybe even difficult to work with guy. And I think that tweet, interestingly enough, the tweet that you're referring to, um, it's kind of funny to me because I look at that and I go, it's not about the front office shouldn't tell you what to do. It's more about you and your front office need to be aligned. You know, it's it really is collaborative to the point where. You shouldn't have to tell them. Like everybody has the same goal and the same vision, and where you disagree, it's more of a conversation. So uh, I know it's not always like that in practice, but I think with the Nuggets, it it kind of has been between Conley and Malone.
0: The whole thing that and the reporting that came out of Utah that was so unJazz like that. That's why it was <laughs> kind of so so weird because you always think of the Jazz as this buttoned up organization where there's you know great uh, communication, a great synergy between the front office and the coaching staff and the players. And that was maybe just a little bit of insight into, you know, with kind of the Conley signing and that hasn't gone as well. Maybe there's kind of a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, The only thing I'll say on George Carl is that a big reason why he was definitely fired was because there was a belief, uh, probably uh, there was some of this was correct, but that the style that Nuggets played under George Carl. Could never win in the playoffs, and like because of the style that that team played on the offensive end of the floor, that's the reason they never got beyond the first round.
1: Right, right. So, it's a good question though.
0: Last one here from Shane's Co. is more of a comment. Apparently, you guys talked about Austin a lot on uh, Thursday's show. You didn't listen, but, uh, did you? It's a good one. I haven't listened yet. No, it was a good one. <laughs> he writes in. According to Adam, there are lots of us He's talking about Nuggets fans living here in Austin. But he's never seen another one in the wild. I would love to have a viewing party or even go to a Nuggets-friendly bar here in Austin. He's wondering, Shane's co cool, are there any other Texas Nuggets fans well, down in Austin that would be all, up for this?
1: Yeah, First of all, people in Austin need to organize this, figure it out. We'll pick a date, pick a party, we'll, and uh, we'll promote it for you. But I, I know for a fact there's a handful, including one of my, um, my best friends, so – um, I know that you would get a turnout of at least like six or seven people, which, you know, I mean, that could be fun.
0: So we had a bunch of nuggets fans in what was it? Pittsburgh.
1: Pittsburgh. We've had now Melbourne, own, Melbourne yeah, who
0: organized their own watch party.
1: Yeah. did do it up. I, I like this idea of like pop-up watch parties, DNVR pop-up watch parties around the country and around the globe. So if you think of one, put it together, we'll promote it. We'll help get people there.
0: Yeah. co also says the highway in Austin that Eric is pissed at is called Mopac. I kind of understand his anger. I couldn't tell you the proper name of the highway or what it might be on the map, though I am pretty sure his anger should be directed towards the high amount of traffic that is omnipresent on this poorly named and poorly designed freeway. Love the show. Keep up the good work. So yeah, you guys were airing your grievances about Austin, or at least <laughs> Eric was.
1: An airing of grievances. Come out tomorrow night, guys, uh, where it's going to be a lot of fun. 830 Blake Street Tavern. There's parking down there. It's a great bar. It's enormous. um, Giant screen TVs. They're going to have no problem seeing the game. And it's fun, man. These games, especially like big games, it's fun to be like cheering every big play uh, in big games. It just makes them so much more fun. And that's what it's going to be like tomorrow. Great food at Blake Street. Great drinks. We're going to have Breck Beer giveaways. They're going to have all kinds of cool stuff. So come on out. Come say hi to me. Let's talk nuggets. Bring me your nuggets questions. Bring me your nuggets topics. Bring me your grievances about the Texas highway system. Whatever it is, we'll talk about it. We'll have a good time. Uh, As for Harrison Wind, I'm Adam Ades. Be sure to subscribe to DNVR, and we'll see everybody out tomorrow.